Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Heaven. Everybody say heaven. And particularly, um, this one came up most frequent. And it was this question. Can I talk to my loved ones in heaven? Now, how many of you have been affected by someone close to you passing? Yeah. It affects a lot of people. um, Most in this room. Um, And it's a painful time. And so after you have walked through that pain, you wonder, can I talk to them? Can they hear me, can, this person was such a huge part of my life. Um, I often go to uh, Washington Memorial Cemetery. I don't know if you know where that is. It's out in Sandston, out in in conversations with my grandfather. Because he used to have conversations with me all the time. He'd pull me in that old metal shed with one of those kerosene bullet heaters. You ever seen one of those things that the eye of it turns like blazing orange and red? And he would have conversations with me. And so this was the most frequently asked question for today. Many of us have experienced loss in the last little bit. And so very quickly, I, I, I want to cover two questions that kind of come as a part of that. One, uh, is it possible for them to know what's going on anyway? Is it possible for those who have passed and gone on to be with the Lord to know what's going on? Now, Most people would say no, but I think the Bible would say otherwise because, and I'll I'll point you to Matthew 17. The picture in Matthew 17 is a picture of the transfiguration. Everybody say transfiguration. Y'all know what that is? Well, let me tell you what it is. Jesus and a couple disciples, they went up to the top of this mountain, and two people appeared. Did anybody know who they are? Elijah and Moses. And in Matthew 17, what you find is that Moses and Elijah already knew what was going on with them when they got there. So they came from heaven to earth. They came into being. This is really cool. Any sci-fi people in the room? Yeah, this is wild. I wish I could have seen it. These guys have been dead for hundreds of years. And boom, there they are on the mountaintop. Transfiguration. There they are. And they already had known what was going on. We also find in Luke 15, Jesus speaks of rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Not by the angels, but in their presence. Um, Whenever a sinner repents, suggesting God's people in heaven rejoice at God's work on earth. So every time someone gives their heart to the Lord, you know what happens? A party goes down in the heavenlies. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. So they're aware. 
There, there's an awareness in heaven of what's going on here. To rejoice at it, they obviously must be aware of it. And then in Revelation 6, it shows uh, 6, 9 through 11. We'll turn there. Uh, Hebrews 6, uh, Revelation 6, 9 through 11. And I'll read it to you. When the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. Let me explain what that means. Being martyred means you're killed for what you believe. Anybody in here ready to to put your life down for Jesus? This is what we're talking about here. You don't face this pressure. Hey, hear me. We don't face this pressure in America for being a Christian. You don't fear for your life. In other nations, in other countries, this this is reality. People hide. Underground churches in China. Guys, this is real deal. People fear for their lives, and they're killed for their belief in Jesus. And so these are the people that John is talking about here. Verse 10, they shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood and, and for what they have done to us? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them. So Revelation 6, 9 through 11 shows martyrs in heaven who are clearly aware that God hasn't brought judgment yet. They're watching what's going on. They see it. So the first question is, is it possible for them to even know what's going on? The answer is yes. There's clear scriptural that that those who have gone on to be with the Lord see and know what's going on here. Now for some of us, that's comfort enough. Um, should we talk to them is the question. Now, there is a big difference between talking to someone and praying to someone. Okay? There's a big difference. Now, um, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, Christ is the only mediator between God and men. So, here's what we'll say, because we have other questions. I could preach a whole sermon on this, but listen. Um. Talking to loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord, there is scriptural foundation that they can hear you, they see you, and they know all about it. The danger comes in praying to them as some type of intermediary piece, like watch over me in a, in a, in a safety sense, you know, keep us safe, because God is the only one we can pray to, and he will respond. Okay? So it's very, it it is comforting to sit and talk to those who have gone on. And it it is scripturally, we believe, that we can talk to them. Now, some of the stuff you see on TV, have you ever seen those medians on TV that say they call up the dead? Okay, that is forbidden. That is wicked, um devil type stuff in in Deuteronomy 18 9 through 14 seeking to call up from the dead or to hear from the spirits of the departed is a forbidden forbidden occult practice 
So that's not what we're talking about here. If, if, if that's what you're interested in, listen, I'm, I'm going to lovingly, as your pastor, caution you not to venture into that. But that's very different than what we're describing today. So bottom line, as long as you're not praying to your loved one, say you're just, hey, mom, I'm sorry, uh, uh, I'm sure you've seen some of the stuff that's been going on here. I just miss you. Or as I sit at my grandfather's graveside and say, Grandpa, I hope you're proud of what you're seeing. Um, he, no, no, and honestly, I don't think we want responses from people up there. <laughs> we need responses from Jesus. And he gives those responses. But let me tell you something. Once you're across the border... And I don't mean to Mexico or Canada. I mean to heaven. Hey, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Listen, once I'm up there, you can talk to me all you want. I don't know if I'll be paying attention, though. I'll be dancing, shouting, and breaking in my new mansion. So for those today who have lost loved ones, old or young, because we also got some questions about, is, is the child I lost? Me and my wife, we had five miscarriages before McKinley that we're looking at now. Um, and for those who don't know what miscarriage is, it's when you, you lose your child before they're, they're born. And, and the question has been asked a couple different times, will, will I see them there? And we find also in the book, guys, it's in here. That even Jesus was like, permit those children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. And then in the Old Testament, you see David. David lost a son, small child. And he said, I'm, he can't come back to me, but I will go to him. So that's kind of a... I know it's kind of a sad way to enter into Q&A Sunday, but I, just as a comfort, everybody say comfort. They can see us. They know what's going on. Yeah, you can talk to them. I would, don't pray to them. They can't do anything for you. But we will see them again. And, and we even got a question today about, uh, will I know my husband when I get up there? And some of us are, or will I know my wife? Will we be married in heaven? And some of us are like, I hope not. <laughs> Is it really heaven? If I still got that, eh, am I here? You know, Is it really heaven? Let me tell you, I'm so excited to get there. If you leave here today, and I say this almost every Sunday because I, don't, I want you to leave with the right perspective. This isn't it. We're going to go eat. We're going to enjoy this life, the blessings that God has given us. But listen, your body is going to die. Your flesh is going to fail you and go and, and, and turn back into dust. But your soul will live on. And I'm excited for it. My grandpa used to tell me all the time his bags were packed, ready to go. And I pray you're ready to go. Um, let's see. Let me, let me see what other questions have come in. Because 
I'm dancing between a couple different questions here uh, that I could answer today. One is, uh, is demonic possession real? Got that question. Good Lord. Let, let, me, let me take a look at some of these questions here. Okay. I'm going to answer some quick ones. What does the Bible say about tattoos? I got this one. Um, well, you're going to hell. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. That's not scriptural. In fact, in Revelations 19, we get this picture of Jesus coming back. Okay? Now, now get this. Picture it with me. White horse, break it. The, the clouds split open, and he's coming back for me. And the Bible tells us in Revelations, I believe it's 19, I'm talking about, a lot about Revelations. If you've ever been interested in Revelations, we're planning a series next summer. We're going to walk through the book of Revelations. It's going to be really good. I want to say it's 19. Let me see. See how good I can remember it. 19. I'm not gonna, oh, here we go. White horse was standing there, verse 11. Its rider was named Faithful and True. <laughs> yeah, that's good. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Verse 12. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on his thigh that no one could understand except him. Jesus comes back. Inscribed on his thigh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Ha <laughs> ha. Did you know that? Did you know Jesus was coming back with a tattoo on his thigh? Did you know that? Oh, look, now everybody's getting rubbed wrong. Pastor, read it for yourself. It's in there. So, what does the Bible say about tattoos? Um, in Leviticus, there were some things that were forbidden. Etching your body. Because different cultures back then, they would etch for the dead. They would etch things. And they had little rituals where they would burn things into their skin. And it was, it was pagan. It, it, it wasn't about God. It wasn't about anything. It was about death and sin and debauchery. You ever heard that word, debauchery? If you don't know what that is, look it up. Just look it up on Google. I don't have time. So anyway... You won't go to hell for having tattoos, um, and, and honestly, uh, if Jesus is coming back with one, um, I'm not saying you should go get one, but the scripture is the scripture, folks. I, I just preach it, okay? I just, I just preach it. Now, let's see. I have to open each one of these up. What does the Bible say about the clothes we wear? The Bible really doesn't say much about the clothes we wear, except that you should be modest. Is that okay to preach? Um, Paul had some pretty um, important things to say about how we should wear things that don't distract people from Jesus. Okay? It was more about distraction in church. That's what Paul was talking about. Um, of course, at the beginning of time, we came in naked. Did you know that? Did you know if sin hadn't entered the world, we'd be having church today naked? Sin. Well, I'm just telling you. 
And the problem was, in the New Testament church, there were people coming to church and things, wearing things they shouldn't be wearing. And it was distracting from the church service. So, so here's what I'll say. And, and I'll, I'll say this to my daughter, too. Wherever she is, she's in nursery. And I've got one on the way. And I'll say this to young men. Listen. What you, God isn't necessarily watching what you wear. He's not watching what you wear this morning. But I, I will say this, that, that um, what you wear oftentimes will reflect what's going on in here. Okay? Um, in the business world, they say, don't dress for where you are. Dress for where you're going. Right? Um, but as far as the scripture says, um, modesty is the key. That's, that's where it's at. And you can find all that in 1 Corinthians. Let's see. Wow, lots of questions here today, folks. Let's dive into demonic possession. Anybody want to talk about that? Okay. <laughs> Somebody's excited. It's Halloween. <laughs> In the Bible, there's some wild. Everybody say wild. There's some wild stories about demonic possession. And um, so I want to tread very lightly this morning because um, demonic possession and oppression are a real thing. Can't deny it. Can't deny it in scripture. And honestly, you can't deny it in real life. Because if you've become a Christian, you, you automatically feel life warring against you as a Christian to get you to stop being a Christian. You feel it. You know what that is? That's demonic oppression. And the, the story uh, begins, actually, it's also in Revelations um, 12, uh, 1 through. Have you ever wondered where they came from? No? Okay, well, let me tell you. Revelations 12, 7 through 9, listen. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So listen, this is, this is how it began. There was a war in heaven. Before earth was created, any of this has happened, there was a war that broke out in heaven. And the result was Satan and, his, and, and these former angels getting kicked out of the heavenlies and down to earth. Down to earth. Um, and so that's where demons came from. The Bible tells us that Satan and his demons can inflict harm on earth. And there's some ways. If you want to uh, look these up, I'll, I'll throw them out there. Possessing people to cause them physical and spiritual harm. Matthew 12, 22, Mark 5, 1 through 20. And to make them do evil. Luke 22, 3 and 4. That verse in Luke 22, 3 and 4 was the picture of Judas. Y'all remember who Judas is? Anybody ever have a Judas in your life? Okay, I've had a couple. People that just uh, act like they're with you for a while and then all of a sudden they just disappear and turn their back and in fact stab you in it. Yeah, I've had some friends like that. But in Luke 22, 3 and 4, 
the Bible tells us that the devil entered Judas. Yeah. And then he went to the priest and sold Jesus out. Sold him out. Um, demons uh, can blind the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Uh, demons deceive people by disguising themselves as servants of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 11.14 and 15. Promoting false doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.1. And performing signs to deceive humans. Did you know you can act like Jesus and not be with Jesus? Oh. Jesus said that there's going to come a day. He was telling his disciples, there's going to be a day that people are going to come up and say, Lord, look at all I have done in your name. And Jesus is, everybody say Jesus. Jesus' response to this person is going to be, get away from me, you worker of evil. I don't even know you. Now, this isn't all of us. Some of us are genuinely working for the Lord. But there are people who can act like Jesus but not be about him. It's a very public thing. And listen, you, hey, pay attention. You won't fool him. And look, you can fool me. You can fool the people you go to church with, but Scripture will tell us that the devil will convince you that doing and acting like and raising your hands during the chorus of the song during worship and that uh, coming to church and giving everybody high fives and quoting your favorite verse will get you in the gates. But during the week, you don't have to submit your life to Christ. I'm so scared and so burdened for those who think they're going to fool Christ and, and they'll be able to slip through the gates by just doing but not submitting to the Lordship of Christ. They can also torment believers, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. The Bible assures us that if we submit to God and resist the devil, he'll do what? He'll flee. So listen, demonic possession, yes, real thing. Demonic oppression, most of what you see. Because in many circles, uh, people will, uh, they get demonic um, possession confused with mental illness. And there is a difference. Um, some people are just sick in the head and it's got nothing to do with the devil. They've just got issues. They've got health issues. They've got mind issues. And there is a difference. It's important to not get them confused. There is, however, a way to war against the very real evil in the world. Now listen, if you believe there's a God, you also have to believe there's a devil. You can't, you can't just pick one and just say, oh, well, because... I don't know how you would reconcile all the evil that's going on in the world otherwise. If you turn to Ephesians um, chapter 6, and I'll turn there real quick. Don't miss it. I had it marked and my marker fell out. 
Ephesians chapter 6. And this is what it says in verse 10. 6 verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Pay attention to verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Listen, this is how I put up with stupid people. Yeah. This is how I put up with people um, that are warring against me and my family. And we have to recognize this. Oftentimes we kick people out of our lives and push people off to the sides because we say, oh, they're after me, they're after my bad. Let me tell you something. You're not fighting against them. That's the devil after you. Don't be confused. The devil is after your soul. And the the Bible even says that he's like a lion seeking whom he may devour. If you've come to church today and you don't think this is serious... God is very serious about your soul, and so is the devil. And the way to war against that is by putting on what Ephesians 6 says is the full armor of God. And you can read more about the full armor there. I could preach a whole sermon on that. You know what the first thing is that they put on? Listen to this. The first piece In the armor of God. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. You know the very first thing you need to do to fight against the oppression you're feeling? Truth. What truth? This truth. Not what your buddy at the mechanic shop says. And listen, if you have a buddy at a mechanic shop, I really hope he's your buddy because they will sucker you into getting everything done to your car. You don't need all that. That's not in the Bible. That's just Carl. I'm just telling you. Surprise mechanics aren't listed here. Anyway. Let me see what time we have. 11.03. I'm going to try and answer one more question. Let's see. Everybody tell, turn to your neighbor real quick and just say, man, this is good. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, i got to come back next week. <laughs> huh? And the next. Okay. Man, these are some good questions. Um, Let me refresh it. My wife tells me that uh, I have to refresh the screen, otherwise I don't get the new questions. Um, All right. I'll I'll end on a festive note. Why would it be okay for Christians to celebrate Halloween? Also, these are anonymous, so I have no idea who's asking these questions. Um, 
So I'm going to tread here lightly with a firm foot. Christians are not to celebrate Halloween. I'm just tell you, Christians aren't to celebrate it. Now, if you if you get into candy, yeah, sure. Amen. All right. Now that's good. That's good preaching. Now, here's what I will say. As a parent of kids, okay, I have a four-year-old daughter, and we will go trick-or-treating. I'm going to tell you, we're going to go trick-or-treating. And, and some of you might say, oh, well, you know what? You're celebrating that sin, Pastor. And I've got to tell you that um, as a Christian in the world, there, there is a, a, a scripture in the New Testament that tells us to be in the world but not of the world. So there is a way to be about Halloween. Because look, I've got some really, we went last night to a party. Let me tell you about this party. Um, Kirsten was like, how would, none of what happens tonight better end up in your sermon tomorrow. This, this is, this is, this is, look at her. Hey, put that finger down. I'm just kidding. She didn't do it. We went to this party last night. Great party. A little haunted trail. Some of us, some of y'all like all that scary stuff. And, and I'll be honest with you, spiritually, you need to be careful around it. Okay. You need to be careful around it. But there is a funness to some of it. So, um, so we went. We went down this haunted trail. I'm just now getting circulation back in my arm from my wife. I'm pretty sure there's paw prints, like, in my arm. It was good. It was an incredible time. The person who hosted this party, um, they love the Halloween season. Love the Halloween season. Love all, all the things about it. Now, let me tell you what they did. They put this whole thing on, playing off fear. And then at the end, they broke out into worship and telling people what they can do with their fears. Huh. There is a fine line between being in the world and being of the world. That's just it. That's just it. Uh, the Bible calls us to a different standard as Christians. Okay, That's just how the Bible puts it. That's just putting it plain for you. You should look different than the world if you're a Christian. Now, uh, I'm going trick-or-treating. I may dress up as a bottle of ketchup. I don't know. <laughs> what? It's a bad choice. Michelin man, maybe? There's a difference between um, celebrating the wickedness of a holiday and enjoying um, company with people, being, allowing your Christian influence to be around those who believe differently than you. I believe God creates space for us to be in the world. So listen, for those of you who would say, don't you celebrate Halloween, you're probably pinned up in your house, you shut your lights off, you don't want anybody coming by. I might throw some pumpkins, maybe even a 
a weird-looking skeleton in my front yard, throw my lights on, light it up like Fort Knox, and put a big old bucket of candy outside. And then when I hand out that piece of candy to that young man, I'm going to say, God bless you. Jesus matters. I don't know. I don't know about you. But here's what I'll tell you. Have you ever heard the phrase, you can be so heavenly-minded you're no earthly good? Don't push off your high and mighty religiousness and forsake pushing the gospel into dark places. Don't do it. Am I telling you to go out there and be some type of evil demonic thing and celebrate all that evilness? No. But here's what I am saying. God can use you during the holiday season, just like they did at this party last night, to draw people in who enjoy this time of the year and present the gospel. That's why you're here. And if you have become one of those Christians that shuts off the world so you can stay Christian, I'm so glad somebody stepped into my dark spaces and said, hey, I don't agree with everything you're doing, but I, I know the love of Christ for you, and so I'm going to be in and around you. I'm not going to partake maybe in all the things you're doing, but, but listen, I don't, I don't think so much of myself and my Christian living that I forget the gospel that reached down and grabbed me out of a wicked place. Questions, questions, questions. There were a lot more questions. Questions about worry. Is worry a sin? There's questions like, uh, what was one of these other questions? Are we living in the last days? Let me tell you something. God has, and then one of the questions was, does God answer all your questions? Does God answer all your prayers? And let me tell you something. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God wants to stretch your faith and doesn't say a word. They've been preaching the last days for a long time. I grew up in church and they said Jesus was coming next week. I'm pretty sure. The Bible tells us no man knows the day or the hour. So I don't know. So as we get ready to pray and close, and Luke is going to close us with a song, I just want you, if you haven't paid attention this whole time, I just want you to take two, two seconds and listen to me. God cares for you more than you will ever understand. Your questions are something he cares about. He cares about your worries. He cares, he cares, he cares. And he, he commands us to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. So as he sings, I don't know what's on your heart today, what you've brought, maybe questions that didn't get answered, maybe questions you don't even want to ask. And we'll have another one of these um, in the spring. But listen, 
It's cliche to say, but no matter what question you're facing, I promise the answer is Jesus. It is. In some form or fashion, he has met my needs. And I'll just tell you, just, I'll just testify for just a moment that Christ has ne- not answered all my questions. But he has met me right where I'm at every single time. So would you close your eyes and bow your heads as, as Luke sings just the chorus to this song? And, and would you just try to cast your cares on him, your questions, your concerns, your, your hesitancies, all of it. Whether you believe this is real today or not, would you just lay it at his feet? Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.